Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It's the 12th of April, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, even if it's not morning where you are. Hello. Happy day to you. We are going to um, lead off today, as we do every day, with our Growing Your Faith verse of the day. This one's going to be very, very familiar to you if you're a Christian. It's called the Great Commission. It comes at the conclusion of Matthew's Gospel. So Matthew chapter 28. Let's read verses 19 and 20. Therefore, now, of course, anytime we see a therefore in Scripture, we ask ourselves, what's the therefore, therefore? Now, there you go. See, I want you to get your, get your uh, brain juices uh, flowing this morning. And so what's the therefore, therefore? Well, the therefore is there because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus as the risen son of the living God. And so this is following not only the atoning sacrificial death of Jesus upon the cross, but his glorious resurrection that we celebrated just this past Sunday on what we call Easter. So this is coming on the heels of that, and Jesus is in his resurrected form about to ascend into heaven where he is has been from that point forward, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. So that's where we are right now. We are resurrected Jesus talking to his disciples um, before he has before he ascends into heaven. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him by the Father. All of it. All of it. Therefore, he turns to his disciples and says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all I have commanded you, or all of the commands that I've given to you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that last part um, might sound a little confusing since following this, Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. And it's certainly not going to seem as if he is with them always. So what, what does that mean? Well, he's with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's with us to the very end of the road. He's with us all the way home to the Father's house. He never leaves us and never forsakes us. He is with us. This is his co-mission. We are on a co-mission with Christ. It's Christ's mission in the world, and we are, as his disciples, his followers, his co-laborers, we are his co-missionaries. So this is the great co-mission, on mission with Christ as his co-missionaries. This is our commission, and we are the commission. So you can think about the word commission in lots of different ways here. Have you ever been commissioned to do something? Maybe you are an artist and you've been commissioned to produce a work of art. Um, Well, this is the work that God has commissioned us in Christ to do, and it is a commission on mission with Christ. We are 
uh, not a committee. This is not a committee assignment because committees don't have the authority to act. This is a commission. And commissions have the full authority to act, not just to um, not just to hear and receive information or process information, but actually to act. So we have been commissioned for a task. We have a job. This is literally what we're in the world to do, to go and to make disciples of all nations, to baptize others in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to teach these new disciples not just what Jesus commanded, but to obey all the commands that Jesus has given. And to be sure of this, that we don't do it by ourselves. We don't do it for ourselves. We don't do it of ourselves. Be sure of this, Jesus says. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What are you sure of today? What are you sure of? Jesus wants you to be sure of this. You're not alone. God is with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. All the way home to the Father's house, Jesus is with you. All the way to the end of the road. All the way, every step. Be sure of this, Jesus says. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Daryl Crouch is going to join us next. We're going to deal with sort of the aftermath of Easter. Like, so what? Easter. Oh, yippee. So what? So what? What difference, what real difference does the resurrection of Jesus make? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Pastor Daryl Crouch. You can find him at everyoneswilson.org. Good morning, Daryl, and happy Easter. Hi, good morning, Carmen. Happy Easter to you. What a great time is, of year. Yeah, right? He is risen. He is risen indeed. So great. I just, it just never gets old, right? Like, uh, that's not old. just a... That's not just a Easter Sunday greeting. We should be saying that to each other frequently. It's a good, good reminder. So let's talk about the resurrection. Let's talk about um, why some Christians seem fairly indifferent to the resurrection. Um, talk with us about the necessity of the resurrection in terms of being a Christian, calling oneself a Christian. Well, we're we're a people of we're a resurrection people. Um, we're we're um, people of life. Uh, we're a people of hope, and um, I, I think there there can be an apathy, like you've mentioned, around the resurrection. I think there also can be a a discounting of the significance. I, I think we've um, lost the um, uh, at least some degree of of understanding of the theological richness of what God has done for us in Christ. And uh, we're we're very focused on practical, you know, how to manage your money and how to be a good parent, and all those things mm. are really important, by the way. And the 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 Bible speaks to those things, but sometimes we, um, I think we've we've we're, we're not quite as theologically robust as as we could be, and so we um, get distracted. And Jesus's resurrection may not be as um, as exalted in our hearts and minds as as it 
as it should be and doesn't have the place there. And so we become very distracted and and very uh, consumed with other things that we can touch and feel in this moment. And, uh, you know, Paul spoke to to this in 1 Corinthians 15, and I think he was dealing with some, you know, materialist uh, people who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead at all. And so he makes this big case. But I think that was built around um, the fact that a people that it was his audience there in Corinth, many of them were were just practical materialists. And I think in some cases, the modern day Christian, we've become we've become that. We've become practical materialists that really all the things that consume our hearts and capture our hearts and minds are the things that we can touch and and feel and and pay for and and earn and buy and you know, enjoy and and those things are obviously gifts from the Lord, but certainly not eternal. And so I think um I think that's distraction as much as apathy has as um is the culprit maybe. I remember a conversation, this goes back a number of years, um, just hearing somebody make the observation that God raised Jesus from the dead because God loves Jesus. <laughs> like yeah. we we if you've ever been present when um, a person died, you know the anguish and the heartache, and you know how instantly you feel separated from them in a in a way that is impossible to describe. Um, and you do long to have them back, even if just for a moment. Oh, could I just have another minute? Could I have another hour? Could I have another day? with this person that I love um, and who I now miss in ways that I don't even know how to put words to. And the disciples, numbering, you know, I don't know, 120-ish at this point, like in terms of the devoted followers of Jesus, um, who would have been sort of privy to enough information that they might have anticipated something was going to happen after he died that was going to be different. Um, But now they've been waiting, and now the tomb is empty, and the news is that he's risen from the dead, and they see him, they touch him, they eat with him, they hear him speak, um, and hundreds of people witness this, and if we could get to a, if we could get to that moment where the the person that you loved best in the world died really died you went to their funeral they were really buried um days passed and then they're alive again like that's the radicalness of this that i think we totally gloss over we somehow we miss it so i want to continue this conversation with you, Daryl, about the resurrection, about just how radical this reality is, um, and maybe speak, uh, you know, even more to those of us who are practical materialists, and we just think the resurrection is for us. Um, but the resurrection is about a whole lot more than just us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Pastor Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson, and we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus, like if you're indifferent to it, um, today's the day I want to wake you up to the most radical reality of all of human history. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. 150 million people 
150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. Christ the Lord is risen today. Continuing our conversation with Pastor Daryl Crouch, you can find him at everyoneswilson.org. Um, Daryl, why why have I mean we've just kind of become kind of passe um about the resurrection of Jesus and if we consider it, we really just consider it as personal and unto ourselves. Like I'm just so thankful that Jesus rose from the dead because it provides uh, the promise and the pathway for me to live forever. Um like when we talk about practical materialist, that might be the most practically materialist thing an individual could ever imagine, that the resurrection of Jesus is just about me. Absolutely. And we're, we're, we're big on ourselves, aren't we? And, and we, we think about ourselves, we wake up in the morning and often uh, we think about our calendar and our schedules and our priorities and our future. And, and uh, again, some of that is, is perfectly normal, but Certainly, apart from Christ, we that becomes very distorted and uh, moves us away from Him. Uh, I think one of the, as you were mentioning before the break, just the the, the disciples' response and 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 the the all that they must have experienced as they saw Jesus's hands and His feet. And <clears throat> there's a there's a humility that that I think characterizes people of hope. Um, when when our hope is in ourselves and our again what we can touch and feel and earn and and achieve and accomplish and and accumulate, um, I, I think uh, humility is is not really in, in the front. And but when we when we see Jesus for who He is and the beauty and the power of the resurrected Lord, there is a humility, and we we see that in the in the ladies in the garden as they fell at His feet. And while he was alive, they died to themselves in that moment. And I and I think certainly the other disciples did as well as they saw him. Even Thomas gets a bad rap, but all of them were doubting and confused and in despair. And so I think because of our um, the, the the reality of the resurrection, we we get to proclaim hope to the world. And certainly. Uh, even in these last two weeks, uh, again, we've seen just an enormous and overwhelming despair in the public in the public square as we've seen shootings and in schools of all places and um, and, and innocence stolen from uh, young children and and their lives changed forever and many lost. And so I think when we show up on Easter morning, we understand uh, our mortality. And um, because of the, the 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 victory that Jesus secured over sin, death, and the grave, we have a message of hope 
that is very, very practical in a culture of despair. And um, so I think to answer your question, why is it so important that this isn't just about me? Well, we can, we can read the headlines and and see that without being trite, without being patronizing, without being over-spiritualizing, we understand that Jesus really is the hope for the world. And mm-hmm. there is no... Um, there is no way that we get out of this um, in any kind of put together way apart from turning uh, to him. And so the disciples early on, as they saw him, they recognized that they they fell again to their face. And then, as you mentioned before we came on, he commissioned them uh, with a message to tell to the nations. And um, because it is the message that really does transform people and move us from death to life. And so we're a people of hope. um, And that brings uh, and that means we're a people of humility, knowing that we don't have the solutions in our hands. But that the God of all eternity, uh, he has um, provided a remedy for our brokenness. and, And his name is Jesus. And I think that's the that's the life that we've been given to live. Daryl, um, when we think about the reality of the risen Christ, um, and we talk about because we are practical people, what practical difference does it make? Like, it, should we be living differently? And if so, how should we be living differently on this side of the reality of the resurrection? Well, uh, Paul said after he made that big um, argument for the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, his, that last verse, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Um, I think we're a people. Uh, our hope uh, gives us a determination, not only a humility about, okay, who we are in light of our sinfulness and our need for a Savior, but but uh, a steadfastness and a, and a determination to uh, be gospel people. And uh, to order or orient our lives around this message or this uh, reality of the resurrection. It's not just a message. It is that. But it actually happened in in real time 2,000 years ago. The disciples reoriented their lives around Jesus, uh, their vocation, their time, their relationships, how they um, um, ultimately gave their lives for the gospel um, they oriented their lives around the gospel. So I think we have to ask ourselves, are we listening to, to the Father? Are we walking in step with the Holy Spirit? But because the resurrection of Jesus is real, we can live steadfast. We are called to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And uh, leveraging our influence and the opportunities that God has given to us, uh, in the public square, whether in the marketplace or whatever uh, sphere of influence we sit, um, to um, uh, to make Jesus known and uh, to invite people to follow Jesus with us, um, and so um, I think that that determination and that steadfastness and that immovability, if that's the right word, um, is um, well, the resurrection is worth our lives, and we mm-hmm. can live as as if it is. Yeah, a life now animated by the living Christ, um, you know, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, really approaching the day as a day given over to 
um, Jesus having the opportunity to use our lives, our bodies, our voices, our labor um, to advance his kingdom purposes in this generation. Like uh, Jesus is risen from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He inhabits the believer. Um, What does Jesus want to do today? Who does he want to go see? Who does he want to talk to? Um, How does he want me to respond uh, to each and every situation um, in in the world, at work, with with the people in my home, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Would Jesus spend time doing the things that um, I might, by my um, sinful nature, prefer to do today? And if so, you know, is is that the life Jesus died that I might live on his behalf? I just think that there are really provocative questions on this side of the resurrection. And I want to thank you for helping us, um, you know, help, just helping us think more clearly and more deeply Um, about the resurrection of Jesus and its influence, genuine influence in our lives today. Well, it's an honor, and um, I appreciate you bringing attention to it. Uh, I think I posted on Monday, you know, the sin or uh, the flesh, the world, Satan, all wants to tell us that uh, this isn't true and it doesn't matter. And um, and that's a lie. Um, Mm. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything for us. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. We uh, always appreciate our conversations with you. It's an honor. God bless. That's Pastor Daryl Crouch. You can find him at everyoneswilson.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's uh, take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. All right, uh, lots of uh, lots of people going on trial today. Lots of trials um, beginning, and I just uh, I guess I wonder if um, if you're you're thinking about and you're praying for um, people and organizations that find themselves today in one of those just extremely um, stressful situations, like literally on trial. Should I think for a moment about. Any time in any space in any way that you have experienced um, a court of law and how stressful that is, no matter which side you happen to be on, um, and the challenges that are faced therein. And so, um, yes, yeah, some of you have been asking, you know, why is Carbon never talking about what is going on in this giant lawsuit between Fox News and um, Dominion Voting Systems? Yeah, I'm fully aware of it. I'm fully aware that. Um, there have been the judge has made some rulings in the case uh, in in pretrial determinations, and yeah, I'm uh, I'm absolutely I'm absolutely aware that it's really big news. Um, let me say this: uh, this will just be my assessment of the entire thing. You ought to be in public who you are in private, and if you are saying things in public, particularly as a member of the media, and you are telling people something on air and privately. Um, in what you imagine uh, are the privacy of your text messages to your colleagues, you're saying something completely different, Um, yeah, you're going to be held to account. And we ought to hold you to account. Don't lie to me. Don't, I mean, I tell this to my kids all the time. Um, If you, don't lie to me. Uh, Tell me the truth. I can handle the truth. We can handle the truth together. We want to be people of truth. Um, And if you think you're going to get away with lying to me behind my back and convincing me of something that isn't true, because it benefits you materially or monetarily, 
Um, yeah, eventually that's going to catch up to you. So um, there's a lot going on there. And um, I know many of you are following that particular news story. And if you're not, um, it is absolutely going to overwhelm the news cycle in every outlet but Fox, because obviously Fox not want to, you know, talk about themselves and the, the naughtiness um, that, that is afoot. The Colorado River is uh, big news today. And you want to say to yourself, what about the Colorado River is, is big news today? Well, the federal government is proposing um, a plan that would actually cut water allotments um, from, from every state that, the, that gets its water from the Colorado River. So if you imagine for, your, for a moment that like you have a tank of water and not only are you living off of that tank of water, but everybody downstream from you is also living off of that same tank of water and your tank is like at a quarter full right now, that's the situation that the Western states are facing. And so we're not just talking about um, Colorado, obviously where the Colorado River uh, is, but we're talking about everything downstream from there. So we're talking about uh, 40 million Americans as well as two states in northern Mexico. We're talking about Lake Mead and Lake Powell. We're talking about the cities of Los Angeles and Las Vegas. We're talking about the city of Phoenix. We're talking about all kinds of places in Arizona and California, Nevada, Colorado, on and on and on. Um, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Seven states rely on the Colorado River and they have to reach a deal on reductions. And we're talking about massive reductions, like the amount of water that the entire state of Arizona uses in a year. The entire state of Arizona, that's the amount of reduction that these Western states need to come to an agreement about. And we're talking here about huge agricultural um, uh, regions of the country as well, in addition to, you know, golf courses and ski resorts and places that you might think people like to play. And then we're just talking about, like, the basic reality of water that people drink. So let's be... um paying attention to and giving attention where that attention is due. Because if you had thought that people were evacuating from California prior to this, <laughs> they might really be headed your way now. Um, all right, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, Mark Terman is going to join us. We're going to talk about um, how we can respond as believers to events, including the shooting at the bank in Louisville, Kentucky. We're also going to talk about what's behind the fentanyl crisis we got a lot going on um, here this morning as we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Mark Terman is joining us now from the Denison Forum. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Carmen. Um, I would, uh, I'd like to walk with you through um, Jim Dennison's daily article where he offers us these biblical responses to this latest um, shooting in Louisville, Kentucky at a bank. Um, you know, and as he starts out, he starts out, you know, with this conversation about consensual morality. I'd like to talk about that before we get into you know, how can we respond biblically to such evil? So can you talk with us about consensual morality and the breakdown of it in our culture today? 
Sure. Glad to give some com- conversation about that. But consensual morality is really just the foundation upon which we live in any uh, civil way as a community of people, uh, even if we don't believe everything in common. And that's certainly the case in our world, always has been. But uh, we have to have basically a ground set of rules that we all abide by certain tenets that allow us to live, like I said, in cooperation and and in connection with each other, even in proximity to each other. That kind of starts with just a foundation of a respect for life, that we believe that all people uh, are valuable and that we have a general respect for each other that enables us to live close together so that we uh, do that and don't hurt each other. That we, That's kind of the first principle, really, of consensual morality. And that then we build a community together, a society together, around a core set of beliefs in which we are all seeking uh, similar things, and we're going to, uh, if not help each other, which is the better thing, but we're at least not going to hinder or harm each other in the pursuit of our individual ambitions and desires and the fulfillment of our needs. And that's really where all societies, and particularly a democratic republic like we are, that's how we function. That's how we are able to actually coexist in the same environment. And when someone in that in that community decides that one of those basic tenets is no longer important to them, that's when you start seeing egregious breakdowns like what we're seeing now, driven obviously by things like a real crisis of mental health. How do you have a 25-year-old that decides that uh, things are so bad in his life and that the, the people that are responsible for things being bad are the people that he works with and works for, and so he's going to act out in such extreme forms of violence. And we saw that in a similar way with the shooting in Nashville and many, many other instances, unfortunately, that we can point to. Uh, obviously, mental health challenges are behind this, but what's breaking down in our culture is this shared sense of fundamental beliefs or tenets that allow us to relate to each other uh, for the common good so that everyone is able to live in peace. And because we no longer value the same things, we no longer value each other. When, uh, if you're listening right now and you're, um, you're, you've been searching about for ways to frame not only your thinking, but your response, um, I want to, encourage you to check out denisonforum.org, the daily article. Um, It's from yesterday, the Louisville bank shooting. How can we respond biblically to such evil? Um, Jim Denison offers three really, I think, good and insightful answers to that question. So, Mark, maybe we we wander around in these. Um, How does remembering the nature of God, how does considering the depth of God's grief in relationship to this like, help me get to the right starting place, because otherwise I'm just angry and fearful. Yes, and, and I think the anger and the fear is a natural response. And, we, you know, it's, it's really the fundamental conundrum of faith. You sit down in a, uh, a college-level philosophy class or theology class, they're going to start with this. How do we, how do we uh, reconcile the idea that we believe that God is all-powerful, that God is all loving or all good, 
and yet evil exists. How mm. in the world does this, uh, how do we put that together in our hearts and minds? Because it just doesn't make sense that if God is all powerful, he would stop things like this from happening, including a lot of other things like natural disasters, tornadoes, uh, those kinds of things. And yet, how can he be both all loving and all powerful and allow things like this to happen? And that's where we get into these big, big uh, conversations about God loving us enough, respecting us enough to give us the opportunity of choosing, including choosing to reject him and to reject all that he says is good to us. And then realizing that God is allowing this season of our will so that we can freely choose to follow him or not follow him. And there are going to be real consequences to either direction that we take. And that's where this comment that you find in the article comes from, that uh, as one novelist said, man produces evil in the same way that bees produce honey. We have to start with the fundamental understanding that we are all broken, fallen, sinful people, and at the core of our sinfulness is a rejection of God and an attempt by each of us to be our own God. And that is producing and continues to produce a massive amount of evil. But at the same time, our God is grieving with us and for us when he sees what we are doing to ourselves, what we are doing to each other, and what we are doing to the world. Uh, we see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus was clearly moved deeply at times to tears, whether that was over uh, the untimely death of Lazarus, and he cried at his friend's grave because of apparent illness that just randomly took his friend, uh, and the reality of death that uh, that he was going to overcome. We saw that when he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, how he was broken and wept over people's rejection of him and therefore the rejection of his father as well. And uh, to understand the heart of God is that God longs for us to have uh, his best. And perhaps the most powerful comment in what Dr. Dennison wrote is just imagine that if every person that was lost in any of these shootings or any of these tragedies, if that if each one of those was your child, how mm -hmm. would you feel? Because that's how God feels. Because mm -hmm. as, as Dr. Dennison likes to say, he loves us as if we were the only one. Each of us as if he, we were the only one. And just imagine how God in, in his immensity is able to, to, in, to take in, to feel, and to bear the overwhelming sadness of the loss of each one of these lives. And that, that, we just can't even comprehend that. I mean, as a, as a parent, grandparent, uh, somebody, you know, any person that has a person that you love, to imagine that God feels every one of those losses at that level um, and bears it with us and for us is, um, I don't know. I don't know how to frame what I think about that, other than to say I'm just glad that's the kind of God that I believe we have. That that uh, he is he is absolutely grieving in a way that's beyond our comprehension, and is absolutely committed to redeeming all things. And and that is our hope, even in the midst yeah. of the things that we lament. Mark, I think that um, considering the depth of God's love for each and every human being, how intimately um, God is concerned with every single person, and 
we um, we pay attention when someone's life is taken in a way that is very public and very violent. Um, I noted uh, yesterday during the press conference um, that was held in the afternoon uh, in in Louisville um, that you know the. I can't remember if it was the police chief, but I think it was who made note of the fact that, hey, just a just two blocks away, just an hour later in the day, another um, person in Louisville lost their life, you know, at the end of a gun. Totally unrelated, totally different storyline and totally not making the national news. And um, when we think about how concerned God is with each and every individual who, you know, who is born on a given day, who is living on this day, who dies on a given day. Like, the numbers are pretty staggering. You and I can't get our hearts and minds around 67 million people, but that's how many die died in 2022. So that's probably about how many are going to die in 2023. Like, 67 million people, and each and every one of them is absolutely as precious to God as your only child is to you. Like, that's what we are trying to help um, one another frame today in terms of our response, a biblical response to not only this expression of evil in this bank shooting in Louisville, but every expression of evil in in how human beings live uh, in the consequences on, you know, on this side of the fall. And so we're going to continue our conversation with Mark Terman in just a moment. Um, how can we respond biblically to such evil? Well, we're going to remember the nature of God. We're going to consider the depths of God's grief today as we start to frame this conversation. And then we're going to talk about how we live as those who are prepared to die, because none of us is immune. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. You can find what we're talking about at DenisonForum.org. Talking about how we as as Christians... um, can respond biblically to the kinds of evil that we witnessed just this week in Louisville, Kentucky, a couple of weeks ago in Nashville, Tennessee, um, on and on and on everywhere around the world. Thank you for those of you texting in um, places and spaces and people about whom you are particularly concerned today. We're going to remember the nature of God in the midst of this. We're going to consider the depths of God's grief Um And then we're going to live as those who are prepared to die because we don't know what tomorrow will bring and no one is immune from the consequences of evil and the realities of a fallen world. Um, Mark, maybe let's uh, let's pick up there in terms of our response. How do we live as those prepared to die? Yeah, great point. And that's that's just an understanding of 
the reality of how brief and fragile life on this earth really is. And the Bible just reminds us of that, not in order to discourage us or depress us, but just to help us to confront the most important questions. What What is our purpose? How did we get here? And uh, most importantly, who is God and how do we know him? The Bible says in the words of Solomon that God put eternity in our hearts. And so we have a longing for that which is beyond time and space. And so the Bible is calling us to confront those questions, not to run away from them, but the the fragility of life, the brevity of life, the uncertainty of life. You know, Jesus was confronted with this question on one occasion. There was a, a, a random accident. A tower fell on some people, and uh, the crowd came and said, Jesus, you heard about what happened. Obviously, these people were being punished by God. He said, nope, that's the wrong conversation. That's not where this is to go. Instead, he said, but you, you need to repent and to prepare yourself for your relationship with God in eternity by humbling yourself, admitting your brokenness, and committing your life to the goodness and grace of God. And that's the way we prepare in the midst of a random, seemingly random, very uncertain world. None of us knows uh, if we will be here a minute from now. Um, But the Bible says we can know that we will be with God both in this life and in the next life if we humble ourselves in faith and trust in what Jesus did in the Easter story. Uh, That's where our assurance, our confidence, and our hope can come from, our courage. And, you know, uh, this is what I call the Tim McGraw principle. He has a song, Live Like You Were Dying, because we all are. Uh, My pastor used to tell me, from the moment you're born, you're old enough to die. And to realize that and to therefore put our lives into God's hands and into the, the to the hope of the gospel is the best way to prepare yourself for eternity that you you pursue forgiveness with God, forgiveness with others, you make sure your relationships are as healthy as they possibly can be, and that you try to live every moment as if it were your last, because it can be. And that shouldn't depress us. It should simply make us wise. Yeah, I think of Paul's perspective in Philippians one twenty one. you know, where he's talking about to live, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, because, you know, I mean, I get to live, I get to um, revel in the reality of the uh, of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I get to share that with other people. I get to experience um, the Holy Spirit. Um, but when I die, I get more of all of that. I get more Jesus. I get full time, you know, in his presence to his glory. What I don't have any longer um, on the other side of death is the opportunity to share Jesus with others who don't yet know him. So the um, the third point that Dr. Dennison makes in this piece is that we should do all we can to help everyone we can know Christ while we can. Can you talk about this compelling um, calling that we have as Christians in the world um, and, and, how, and how that's a part of how we biblically respond to the reality of evil around us? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's the reason we're still here. If people wonder, well, why am I still here? God saved me. God forgave me. I've been made right with God. I'm ready to meet God. Why am I still here? The reason is it because God wants you to be light. He wants you to be salt. 
He wants you to do everything that you can through the way that you live and the way that you speak, the way that you pray, that you would live on mission with him and for him. And I want to emphasize it's with him. It's not go off and do this and God's going to love you better because you represented him well or because you helped people to learn about faith. No, he's doing this with you and through us, through his Holy Spirit, and the reason that we're here is to be on this redemptive mission with him. The Bible says that we are his co-laborers and that our goal, our purpose, no matter what our job is, no matter what our hobbies might be, in everything that we are and everything that we do, how can we represent him well by the way that we live and by the things that we say, that we have this message to communicate the message we just celebrated on Sunday, that Jesus is alive and that he is our living God and our forgiving God and he is our coming king. So how can we help every person that uh, is living in the darkness of sin and in the darkness of fear? How can we help them to know this living Savior who is our living hope? That's why we're here, and that's what our mission needs to be, no matter what our platforms may or may not be. That's why God has us here still. Mm. Thank you, um, as always, so much, Mark. We didn't get to, you know, what's behind the fentanyl crisis, and we didn't get to, you know, how do we live the perfect standard of the Sermon on the Mount? But I will direct everyone to denisonforum.org for that content and so much more. I read the daily article, so should you, denisonforum.org. Mark, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. God bless you. Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen the Burge. This is Faith Radio. All right, uh, let's be praying for each other today. Let's be encouraging one another. Uh, our friends Paul and Denise, who are faithful listeners and um, with us as a part of this family of faithful believers, they're in a in a big life transition. They're welcoming it. Um, they're having a big sale today. And so let's be praying for that. Let's be praying that God would liberate them from all of the stuff so that they can move forward into the future filled with hope that God has planned. They don't exactly know where they're going. They just know that they're called to to go. And so today's their big moving day sale, and uh, they are waiting for the Lord to open up the door to their next location and where they're going to live. And um, let's be praying for them. So just join me in praying for Paul and Denise today as they make this life transition How can we be praying for you? You can always text me at 877-933-2484. I appreciate the time that we get to spend together every single day, and I love being able to pray for you. So text me your prayer concerns, 877-933-2484. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, Click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.